Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And you are not going to believe who we found wandering the streets today. And uh, I don't know where he's been, but I imagine it was on the water at some point. But uh, welcome back to Mark Lampson, back to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Mr. Cassidy. You have such a deep voice when you introduce these shows. I, mean, I do, and then it goes the up time. octaves. Yeah. <laughs> the, it's the beer that kicks in, I would imagine. But we're going to cover a fun topic about team selling today. Some of the challenges, why don't all of us do it? But uh, first, I need to know what's cold, frosty, and refreshing in front of you today. From the Whalers team, Whalers Brewing Company in Wakefield, Rhode Island, they have their uh, East Coast India Pale Ale, which I'm not a, I'm not a big IPA fan, but I like Whalers. And... Uh, well, let's be honest. It's near the end of the weekend. It's six and a half percent ABV. So I call that efficient. Look at you go. All right. Well, you enjoy that. I do love whalers and I'm not a huge IPA fan either, but uh, my son is and he brings that around the house a lot. So I've had that, but I'm going to go with the porch rocker. That is from oh. Sam Adams. Uh, I really do enjoy it. It's, uh, it's fruity. And when you're having one, it's just kind of a nice summer special. So we're going to crack that. Pour that out, and let's try that. That's Are you only having one? Probably. It's a weeknight, school night. It's summer. Very busy. I'm kind of important. I don't know if you know that. I have volumes yes. of leather-bound books. Yes. I see. It's very fancy back there. <laughs> For all the Anchorman fans out there, we'll, uh, we'll pull you in. But All right, so the topic um, – I, I don't know if you've noticed it lately, but I feel like everywhere I go, I'm hearing more and more about team selling. I've been on a couple podcasts lately where SEs are team selling with AEs, you know, system engineers with application, uh, with account executives. Um, and, and I know in our business, we sell across teams. We pull in, you know, our CEO mm -hmm. for certain things. We pull in our president for certain things. So the, the, the topic of team selling is, is a good one, but I know there's challenges that go with that. So what's the problem? Why doesn't everybody team sell? Well, I mean, um, I think there's a lot of problems and I think we can get into those, the, the, the focus. And I think we put this on the table is because when we don't team sell, it hurts our ability to win period. I mean, we, you mentioned before we, we team sell, we, I, any, any significant project that we've won has been some team, even if it's team team of two, we've yeah. had teams of two teams of eight teams of everywhere in between. Um, here's the bottom line. Nobody is the best at everything. Right. So even the best salesman, they're not the best at everything. They're the best at some things. So they're good at some things, but, but somebody is best at everything. Somebody's best at something. Yeah. And so I think the first challenge is when do we team sell? So everybody here listening is across the board from transactional to complex, to a mix, to a combination. I think just a couple of rules. One is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a complex sale. Uh, it's a, it's a big opportunity. It's kind of your big deal. You had a couple of big deals for the year. Uh, it's complicated. So, so the bit, so, so that it's not straightforward, like what they want and what you do is not a perfect match. So it requires a little bit of effort. Uh, and team selling is also a great way to get stalled opportunities back on rail. So, uh, you know, back on the rails and, and ultimately just, keep them moving and, and get some other people on board. So yeah, makes sense. A lot of times the team sell. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can get into some, some of the examples. I mean, I kind of started with one where, you know, an account 
executive is obviously got strengths in relationships and, and the sales process and so on and so forth, but they're typically not technical. And so there may not be the person that does the demo, but um, you know, that's why you would, you would bring that in. The, the person doing the demo is not necessarily skilled at asking the right questions. And sometimes they're not, they're not the, the, the right person to engage in the relationship part of that business. So, yeah, that's right. I mean, and that's part of it. I mean, part of it is putting the right person in front of the right, the right elements, the right part of the sale. It could be, and we talk about team selling, it could, it's the sales rep doing certain things around discovery or presentation, but it could be an executive that brings sort of an executive to an executive perspective or viewpoint. Um, you know, we've had our operations uh, leaders in, in meetings where it's an operationally heavy project. There's people there talking about well, what's that going to look like. They're there to answer those questions firsthand. You're talking to the expert lawyers. So our, our lawyers are involved in team selling there. We get them in touch with the client. They talk about some of the big contract issues. So, you know, it puts the best person in front of the, the, the counterpart to increase the odds of communicating clearly and of winning, but, and done correctly, it tells the customer that they're important. I'll, 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 I can think several years ago, we were in an opportunity and it was a fortune 100 company it was the mm -hmm. VP of sales. Mm -hmm. And uh, we walked in with three of us and he said, well, he says, you're already ahead. And I thought, like, <laughs> yeah, not sure. I'm not sure what to, that's bait. I'm not sure what to say with that. I said, well, that that's great. You know, like, I think I said, like, why? I didn't really, it was kind of weird. And he says, because your competitor didn't think that I was important enough to bring anybody else but himself. Yeah. And so, so you're always, you're just saying to them, you're, you're important. We want to earn your business. Uh, it helps share the load. Yep. So, so it does help divvy things up and it takes time to, to win sort of some of these deals, whether it's complex or stalled. And the last piece that people don't want to think about is that's how we learn. I mean, how many of us just go sell and don't get a chance for anyone to watch us or if we see somebody else. And so you get to watch how people do things, communicate. And so there's a lot to learn. So, so that's when we should sell. There's a lot of benefits of selling team selling. And the reason we don't is there's some challenges. Is that what we're talking about? What's in the way and how to fix yeah, them? Is that yeah. what you wanna... And before we move on to the challenges, I was just thinking back mm -hmm. to, you know, the idea of what it says about you and your company when you show up as a team. I love that story because I was thinking about this the other day. Like when 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 a president or or the CEO or some, you know, vice president level people show up on a sales call it does show the customer how important they are. Is there a risk that it also at some point could, could show that you're just a small company and everybody's <laughs> got that title or, you know, is it really, you're, you're much better off bringing in the big guns because it says that customer's important, right? I mean, that's, that's something you got to weigh in your own business, but I think it's something to think about. Yeah, I think there's, um, I, I think, I think, I think it's a great question. You know, we're, we're a small company. And yeah. so, uh, you know, I might be in a sales presentation or Tom might be in a sales presentation. And although we have a big title we're, we're you know, it's we're still a smaller company, so we can do that several times a year. I think there's a difference between showing up for a presentation or having a conversation with someone versus kind of playing point or being overly available after the presentation. Yeah. You know, if you just have nothing else to do, but this one customer, then you seem a little desperate. Yes. But if it's no, I'm going to carve out time. I'm going to fly out early in the morning. I'm going to be at the presentation and fly home that night. 
pre-COVID anyway, me and Drew's talking in general terms, mm. to now we're talking about being virtual. It, it, it says, I'm, I'm carving out time for you and put my brain cells in you. Yeah, there's a lot of other things that I'm responsible for and I do, but it's hard to, it's hard to compete with, with you're important. And whether we're small or big, like you're going to be in, all I can tell you is you're going to be a really important customer for Aslan should you choose to work with us. So that's how we sort of position it. And they can decide if you're big enough to scale or what they're worried about. That's right. And, and you know, it's funny because we talk about the customer needing to feel like they're a priority in our programs. We talk about this all the time. And what says you're a priority more than our top people are actively working with you, not just in the one meeting we were in, but in the background on all the calls. That really does say something about uh, the importance of the relationship. So I, I think that's good. Well, we were yeah, on the phone so- the other day. I was on the phone the other day with a with a client slash prospect where we're growing the relationship. And I was on a call, and we had our, our VP of operations on the call, and. Mm. And she's just, as you know, she's just awesome. And yeah. and the other thing that happens is the customer sees, you know, if you're a good rep, you have customers, they like you. They like the way you work and talk and help them and you're focused on them. Now, all of a sudden, somebody else from Aslan, Aslan just got bigger. So your company just got bigger. And if they're walking and talking like you and they're like, I really like that person too. It's like, God, you're, you must be a company full of really good people. And that's just, that's the, it's the only way to demonstrate that, that it's more than just you. And that's powerful. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But like everything in life, there are challenges that come with this. So let's get into the, you know, three or so challenges that sort of exist when it comes to, you know, pulling off team, team, uh, team selling. Not really sure how companies you know, build team selling into the process or if they mandate it or encourage it. But a lot of times when I talk to reps, they say, well, you know, there's a, there's an initial hesitation to get somebody else involved because, well, that's my job. You know, I'm the sales rep. I'm supposed to find me. I get a lead or I get a lead from marketing. I'm supposed to find it and close the business and I get commissioned. So if I bring someone else, if I bring another rep in, like, do I have to share my commission? How does that work? And, you know, that's a, uh, I can't answer your, your company policies. Uh, I can tell you that, you know, you can always return the favor, but I would encourage you if you're listening and you think about the deals that are big or they're complex or they're stalled or anything else, say to yourself, am I really look using the resources at my company to, help me help you win the business, which helps the company. It helps everybody. I mean, if it's, yeah. and, and just make the request say, and just, and just be honest. Don't, don't try to, I hear a lot of, you know, salespeople are always selling sometimes like, well, if you help me, then this, I just say, look, I could really use some help. There's a, just a good old fashioned. Would you help me? Well, They're an important customer. I, I, you know, I could use a little insight or some help or whether it's be on the call, whether it's give me some input, um, you know, we're not going to share commissions and maybe, you know, you return the favor someday, but just asking for the right thing. And some companies do this really well. It's part of their process. We're talking to the people who, who don't consistently team sell and should or could be. And I'm encouraging them to say, just go ahead and ask, just go ahead and, and ask the somebody else who can help, whether it's a, a peer who can explain a, piece of your portfolio better than you or someone has experience in that industry or a leader or an executive or a manager or someone a higher level that would just would just do a good job just 
put it on you to ask. You're the quarterback. Yeah. I think that's, that's the, the main takeaway for me is don't be selfish because of your commission or because of your ego, you know, involve the people that can best help the customer. We talk about being other centered all the time on the pod and in all of our, in, in all of our, you know, content. And it's almost selfish if you don't want to do the best you can do for that client by involving the right people that, that sort of fill in your, your gaps, right? We just said in the beginning of, of this cast that it's, you know, not everybody can be great at everything. And so compliment your skills with people around you that can help the customer achieve what they're trying to achieve. And that would be the most other centered thing you could do um, despite any sort of feelings you have to the contrary. Uh, so I think that leads actually pretty well into a, a second challenge that we that we sort of uh, discussed, but you know, not confusing the customer, right? Is it confusing to a customer if like you know three or four people come in? Maybe, but like if it takes three or four people to do this right, we we need to do that, right? It all starts with the preparation, you know, preparation kind of choreography. You're the quarterback. You own the account. You're point person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you're going to get ready to, to have a team involved, not some, not some group of individuals, but a team. So, so this is an important piece in your prep, the team, don't go to each individual person, pull a team meeting. Yeah. It doesn't need to be an hour. It's 15, 20 minutes. Everyone have asked you to be involved, whether it's being involved in a call, in a presentation, whether it's a strategy session, whatever it is, whether you're going to be together or separate. It's about pulling the team together and that's your, and your, it's your chance to be the leader. You know, they need to have the background, how the, how we got to this point, what the customer is about, who the, you know, the basics, who the players are, give them clarity and be clear on what everyone's roles and responsibilities are. So this is where as a salesperson, you need to put your leader hat on and be clear who's doing what, when, who needs, who owes something to somebody by when and hold them accountable. It's a project. You're, this is where team selling falls apart. Everyone you assign something and who's it's a project now and who's holding all them accountable for the project plan. So prep is step one. Yeah. That sort of makes sure you're there. It's all about choreography. And, and when, you know, when you're showing up in a presentation or you're on the call, whatever, again, it's part of the preparation piece, but who should do what, when, what's the objective of the call? What are we trying to accomplish? And, and this is a small point that everyone glosses over. And I can tell you, I've learned my lesson a few times. It took me to learn my lesson. Introductions can be an absolute disaster. <laughs> uh, right. Think about it. Yeah. Again, depending on what you're selling, you have a presentation. Sometimes you get a half an hour. Hopefully you get an hour, maybe you get an hour and a half. Rarely is it a lot more. It all depends. And you have three or four people. Well, if that's not clear, who's going to introduce themselves, when, how, what, and what they're going to talk about, yeah. you, you're kind of kicking it off and you sort of introduce them a little bit, but then the customer says, well, let's go around the room. And then your, your, your team starts introducing themselves again without really preparation of what they are or aren't going to say. And you can lose 20 minutes yeah. of an hour of presentation just getting introductions out of the way. So true. So true. Watched it happen. Yeah. So just 
just, you know, we don't need to have your history. We don't need to know where you were born and, you know, what you like to eat, what you do on weekends and your marital status. Just what's relevant to the customer? What's your background that's relevant? Why are you here? What is your role? This is my role in our relationship. If we work together, this is my role. This is what I focus on. This is what I do. Uh, you know, just real, real quick to help them understand why are you sitting there? And then be clear who has the, the choreographic part is after introductions is who's going to do what you have a presentation. Maybe you're going to switch people off. Maybe you're going to drive that, but you're going to call on people for more details. How are you going to handle questions? That's an important piece. The customer starts answering questions. You, you're asking questions. It's important to say, well, you know, when we get to these topics, who's going to take those questions and how do we not going to step over each other? Uh, and be ultimately be clear on the desired outcome. This is the goal when we leave. This is the goal of the meeting. And and uh, as long as we're all on that same page and everybody knows their role, then I think we're I think we're good. And for the customer, part of that is to reveal our motive. You're important. This opportunity is important. We we brought the team. You know, we were we're not a big company. I think we had eight people in a room for one of our large clients a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And they had like four. I think they had four. Yeah. And they said, well, like, but, but we won, we won the deal. And so like, you just, and we were a small company against huge companies and we won. Um, We're bringing the expert in each area to help remember things we've talked about before. Our role as a consultative seller is to not sell our company. It's to help them make a good decision. And so you have people that can speak on products and the industry, whether it's technical whether it's doing demos, whether it's handling logistics, you're helping them inform and make a good decision. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and, and, and I think just defaulting back to when, when in doubt, the account manager, the sales rep is the quarterback. And, and if there's ever a ball on the ground, that's the person that's got to pick it up and, and handle it. Uh, and they're the, sort of the captain of this effort. But I do think with, with the right amount of preparation and the diversity of skills that this allows to come into any deal, there's no reason to be afraid of this sort of, you know, this sort of team selling approach, um, which does sort of lead to our, our final challenge, which is <laughs> the fear that someone might uh, be better at something. Can you imagine that low of an ego, that low of an impression of yourself as a sales rep? But I guess it, it's possible. Well, it doesn't mean you have a low impression of yourself. There, there, but there are. If if you're honest and you look around at your organization, there's some really good reps. There's some really good sellers. Yeah, yeah. And if you bring them in, you might look bad. You know what? <laughs> if you're a commissioned sales rep, yep. That check is going to spend the same no matter what. So I'd rather have the check. And this is really just an EQ thing. It's an EQ and a maturity thing. Yeah. We get better by surrounding ourselves with people better than us, period. And maybe we're going to be in a room and maybe we're going to say something and they're going to say it differently or better. So what? If, yeah. if, if you don't, if you don't see that and put that in front of you, you're never going to get better. So I, I don't know how to, I don't know, you know, talent smart is the, is the organization we've worked with before which I would put a plug in for that does emotional intelligence. They have emotional intelligence 2.0. It's a good book. They have little self-assessments in there. They have some little online tools you can use. Um, I, I encourage a lot of sellers to get in touch with their emotional intelligence, their self-awareness socially and individually. It just, it just goes a long way. 
uh, to just be, I mean, to be humble and, and to be, and to be in part of being confident is being able to say, yeah, I'm not perfect. And there's people that are better. It's just, that's the bottom line. So, so don't let that be a challenge. People, people have said to me, nah, I don't want to bring someone else in because you know, they might like them better. And they literally said those words to me. Like, yeah. So, so what if they do? I mean, yeah, it's a big deal. Well, it's, this is interesting because, as you know, we, we have uh, a diverse audience of sales reps and sales leaders listening to this. And, and I would submit that as a leader, making sure when you're assembling your team, I used to have this phrase that I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. First of all, I don't think it's possible for me to be the smartest guy in the room. Let me say that before you do. Um, yeah, I have but, so many things. I have so many things that I want to say, but I guess we are being recorded. So yes, exactly. Yeah. But, but the point is, if you, if you try to be the smartest guy in the room as a leader, you are really diminishing your chance of success because I think it's, we all have flaws and, and to put a team around us that, that, that complements our skills with additional skills is a great lesson for leaders, right? So I just think whether you're team selling or whether you're building a sales team as a sales leader, surround yourself with people that do things better than you do them. Don't take that as a, as a, you know, a fault of yours, but rather complement your skills, the things you're good at with things that other people are good at. And uh, don't, don't try to be the smartest person in the room. It, it's just, it's not, it's not a worthwhile journey at all so. so if we have if we have a, a slightly shorter than usual podcast going, i'm not sure if we do or not but if you want to take another 20 minutes to sort of explore this 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 issue on your own to our listeners here about you know not being the smartest person in the room it's really about vulnerability and one of the absolute best messages succinct yeah. messages i've seen is uh, you can just google brene brown it's b-r-e-n-e brene brown ted talk i just did it Okay. And she came right up. She's a top, it's a top 10 Ted talk. It's 20 minutes, 19 seconds, super powerful. Just go watch it. Just yeah. go watch it and, and, and listen to what's really true about being vulnerable and showing weakness, not being, not being incompetent. You need to be competent, but, but there's a time and a place for confidence and, and there's a time and a place for being vulnerable and recognizing, recognizing that we're all, no one's perfect. Just know what you're good at. Know what you're good at. And, and, and more importantly, know where, you know, where you're, you've got some weakness and make sure you hire or bring into your sales team the people that, uh, that make up for your you know, deficiencies. And there's no fault in having deficiencies because we all do. So I mean, I, I know we try to keep this uh, anonymous because so I won't mention names, but I, I know both you and I will remember you know, back at, 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 a, at a former company we worked at together where kind of the number one sales team, field rep, inside rep, um, was just a great ham and egg and the field rep, you know, I love him to death. He crushed numbers with big accounts. Yeah. You know, did, would he score the highest on the IQ tests of, uh, you know, of, of, uh, of the products and the technical and, and all those things? Probably not, but he was amazingly gifted at relationships and giving people reasons to, to meet. And he was backed up by a team's, a teammate on the inside who, and she was just incredible at the details and service and together, they just rocked it. They both made each other a ton of money oh, and yeah. helped a lot of customers. They made each other better. They made the team better and they made yeah. their customers better. And, and that's it. I, I know exactly who you're talking about. Amazing, yeah. amazing teamwork because of the yep. complimentary skill set. Absolutely. It, it, it's, that's yeah. the strongest part of both of them was being able to work together as a team with each other. Hopefully you have that. Yeah, the last little tidbit I'll give you that I, I just thought about as I was thinking about 
some actual selling situations that, that maybe is not a challenge of team selling, but a little tidbit. The, the other last piece of team selling is when you're walking out, don't celebrate in the parking lot. So true story, <laughs> right? You can't, you, can't, you can't do anything until you're off the property. That's true. I was with somebody else, just another person. We had a great presentation. We were feeling pretty good, obviously. We walked outside. We got into the car. When we shut the door, we figured we were safe. But, you know, like most cars, there's windows. And it was right before lunch. And so most people were walking out to lunch. And so we looked at each other, big grin, and we were high-fiving in the car. We were like, yeah, fist pumping. Somebody knocked on the window. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> we, we rolled down the window. And it was one of the guys that was in the meeting. Oh, no. And he looks in and he bends over and he says, I, I guess you think that went pretty well, don't you? I mean, I was speechless. I, yeah. I'm like, I, 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 he's like, don't worry. He's like, I'm just busting you. He says, it did go well. We'll talk to you soon. You know, but <laughs> yeah, as a general rule, no discussion takes patience until you're off site. Go away. Just be neutral. So a little Get to the bourbon bar and celebrate somewhere else. That's it. Celebrate or commiserate <laughs> or complain or whatever you want, but don't do it in the parking lot, even oh, with the windows good, rolled up. That's a good story. That's a good story. <sighs> Excellent. All right. Well, this has been a great topic. I, I hope everybody uh, enjoys this. We'll probably blog on the same subject because it's so, uh, it's so important. And a couple of good third-party tidbits will drop in as well um, with listening to TED Talks and, uh, and talking about EQ. So, Thanks, Mark, for joining uh, another week. And uh, please uh, make sure you share and like the podcast. We're still looking to establish ourselves in this, uh, in this world of millions of podcasts. But we hope this is helpful and uh, we'd love you to, to subscribe and, and share it with your friends. And we'll see you next week on another episode of Ales with Aslan.